Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Security Ledger podcast. I'm your host, Paul Roberts, editor at the Security Ledger. The Consumer Electronics Show, or CES, kicked off this week in Las Vegas. In the last decade, CES has become one of the premier venues for consumer device makers to launch new products and to show off prototypes of technology they hope to introduce to the public in the future. Home entertainment megafauna dominate the coverage at CES. But this year's show is also a showcase for the next wave of connected consumer devices, including wearable technology, smart appliances, and connected vehicles. All these new platforms are raising important questions about security, privacy, and reliability. So back with us today to talk about some of those issues is Mark Stanislav. He's the security evangelist at the firm Duo Security. Mark, welcome to the Security Ledger podcast. Thanks for having me back, Paul. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Why don't we start with CES? I mean, you yourself have done some interesting research, and I know you're continuing to do interesting research on some of these connected consumer devices. You analyze the Izon home surveillance camera. A lot of the coverage coming out of CES is highlighting some of the trends around uh, connected devices, in particular, uh, wearable computing seems to be a big trend this year. Um, uh, are we should we expect to see a lot more Google Glass type uh, imitators coming out? You know, it's going to be interesting only because Google's had such a slow rollout with Google Glass. I think they're in their second iteration now, kind of to the uh, you know the, the the people they had initially hooked up with to do some testing and development for it. Um, so you know, unlike maybe the smartphone, um, you know, let's let's use Touch ID from Apple uh, as an example. Um, I don't think we're going to see a huge uptick in the wearables um, for in terms of glasses style. I think the watches. We just keep seeing more and more smartwatches come out. Um, and what's interesting about that is you can find about a dozen different smartwatch vendors now, and yet Apple doesn't have one yet. So um, it's kind of interesting that Apple's actually behind the curve on one of these kind of advanced technologies for once. What are these devices under the hood? Are they like PCs? Are they more like uh, other types of embedded devices that uh, maybe would not be vulnerable to attack in the same way that uh, traditional endpoints or even mobile phones are? Well, you know, had this been, let's say, five years ago, I probably would say they wouldn't be as vulnerable as a you know typical computer. Um, however, you know, this whole Internet of Things revolution we're currently going through, uh, you, you can bet that each of these devices that you're going to slap on your wrist or your head is going to be Wi-Fi enabled, Internet connected, Bluetooth, you know, maybe NFC. Um, so in terms of attack area and, and surface for, you know, researchers, um, you know, there, there's just as much as any day-to-day computer. Uh, in terms of the architecture, these devices would be more representative of your typical, you know, embedded device like like a home IP camera, for instance. Um, so the iOS and the Android platforms obviously have been very very well adapted to be um, scalable from anything like a Chromebook uh, in in some ways. Um, you know, iPads, iPhones. So we've seen a kind of a broad. Um, swath of deployment of these more embedded-focused operating systems, Uh, I think we will see each of these devices become just as interesting to watch as we have the, you know, the iPods to be jailbroken, for instance. Um, You know, iPod Touch and iPhone have had a long history of uh, people hacking it to be able to install third-party apps and otherwise, and I, I think we'll see the same thing with whether it's Google Glass or... Um, you know, some of these smartwatches that are coming out. 
one of the interesting issues that comes up when we're talking about both wearable computing and things like connected vehicles, um, you know, the connected vehicles thing is something where, you know, clearly there are some huge safety um, and, and kind of quality of life benefits to be had from the technology. But authentication, which is we're used to signing on to services or computers with usernames and passwords. But when you're talking about wearables or you're talking about automobiles, what happens to authentication? How is authentication handled? Is that something that's really being considered right now or is it kind of a back burner issue? You know, in terms of in terms of most of the you know functionality I can think of offhand for cars, um, a lot of them are on the basis of that kind of physical security um, access. So the fact that you have your car key is how you're effectively authenticating to that vehicle to say I should be able to use this. I should be able to you know communicate with all the radios in, inside of here and um, you know any of the signals that are being sent to or from the vehicle. Uh, it's interesting though, because the research that we saw um, Chris Valasek from IOActive and Char- Charlie Miller over at Twitter do uh, this, this past year at, at Black Hat, um, you know, they, they were doing some really kind of deep, low level car hacking, you know, to the point of physical access. Um, but that kind of that kind of research will ultimately ultimately lead to better insight into you know how these Wi-Fi radios are in these cars, how these cell radios are in these cars, and um, you know most things that are are transmitting are also you know receiving data. And how does that data work? How does it interact? If you take something as simple as um, a remote start or a, um, a a car code to unlock the door remotely with your your key fob, you know those are signals and. You know, at some point, if the data coming in over those signals actually has malicious packets involved and, you know, you can craft a buffer overflow attack against one of these, uh, you know, these car systems, we're not on, you know, we're not into a realm of impossibility. We're actually in a realm of things that we've been doing for, you know, 30 years now. So we're going to have to keep a close eye on what kind of inputs and outputs these cars are, um, you know, part of. And in terms of authentication, can we add layers of security to these vehicles uh, to make sure that the data going in and out is really the, the data that should be going in and out? One of the issues that's come up or one of the things that's being debated is really what role, um, you know, the the federal government should have, regulators should have, or whether this is something that can and should just be managed as a as an industry uh, on a on a per industry basis, um, where, where is there, you know, what kind of, what are the needs right now around security when we're talking about things like connected vehicles or connected appliances? Um, and is there a role for regulation there? Or do you think that this is something that we're going to see, you know, companies getting together and, you know, major manufacturers and doing on their own, um, without the need for, you know, uh, federal regulation. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to say that it would be great if the marketplace could work this out for themselves, and you know, the car makers would build a consortium and define all these policies and procedures for secure, you know, smart, you know, smart car technology, if you will. Um, but I really think that things are accelerating much too fast. I think the number of consumer devices out there that we've seen that are internet connected that are not secure are too many. Um, and I think we're going to be at a crossroads very soon where based on the, you know, the action I've seen come from uh, the chairwoman for the FTC, Edith Ramirez, 
I, I think we're kind of at this uh, this breaking point for the the government seeing the speed at which the market's moving and the the disregard for security that's really in those um, you know those releases we're seeing. So uh, it it could be a very interesting situation in the next few years for the automakers as well as many other device makers. Switching gears a little bit, the other big story we've been following in the last couple weeks is, of course, the data breach at Target, the box retail store here in the United States. As, as the dust clears from the incident itself, what lessons are emerging or what do we know about the impact of that breach and also what, if anything, Target did wrong? So with the target breach, um, unfortunately, we, we're still kind of in the dark on some of the major important details of, of what actually happened. I think we're going to see the government actually step in here a little bit. And I think that could be to the effect of, you know, a special committee with Congress or some other dog and pony show testifying of major target execs, because really we're to a point where the government is is always happy to look like rock stars. And we're, we're at a point where target has a lot of customers and a lot of money and I don't think anyone wants to walk away from this scenario and just walk away from this and say, oops, you know, these things happen. So expect for these details to come out and expect to uh, see, you know, see some hard, uh, hard hitting action from the government soon, I think. Great, Mark. Uh, final question. Uh, Trend Micro came out with a report just within the last week or so uh, on their predictions for 2014. You know, many companies come out with these, you know, look ahead pieces at the end of the year. Um, Trend said something interesting, which is that while they expect to see the sort of continued blurring of lines, you know, between traditional computing and, you know, our physical world, um, they really don't see Internet of Things as being a big security story this year. And, and their reason is simply that there isn't a Windows or Adobe Reader equivalent. There's no killer app that is both spurring Internet of Things uh, adoption um, and that also provides kind of that common platform that you can write to, that you can count on being there for your for your remote attack. I, did, I was interested in your thoughts on that. You know, as you were saying, you know, every uh, every company seems to have their own uh, opinions about the future and trends and whatnot. And I think if you pay close attention to each of those, they're slightly weighted towards the um, you know the focal areas of those companies. So in the case of Trend Micro, they're really looking for things like everyday malware, everyday antivirus uh, or viruses, uh, trojans. And in the case of Internet Things, I completely agree with them. There is no common platform like an Adobe Reader to go attack on every major operating system. Uh, so to them, I can certainly understand that it's not nearly as, uh, I guess, you know, maybe sexy to, to, to contemplate. In my opinion, though, and looking at security researchers at conferences that I go to, you know, 30 and 40 times a year, um, Internet-connected devices are the thing people are looking at. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the Internet of Things, remember you know, not everything is intended to be internet enabled or maybe not intended to be as internet enabled as we sometimes find them to be. Um, but even, you know, an example, I saw a presentation a couple of years ago uh, in Washington, D.C., and it was about a new Wi-Fi module for, I believe, the Canon series of professional, you know, DSLR cameras. And uh, the researchers there showed how, you know, on a Wi-Fi network, you could connect to it passively, not authenticate because of a bug in it, grab pictures directly off the camera that someone had taken, change the EXIF data inside of the actual photos, 
which then, you know, if you wanted to do some kind of really, uh, really targeted attack at someone, you could actually upload photos to the camera involving, you know, pornography or something else that would, you know, maybe get that person in trouble. So we have to really keep in mind what the scope of Internet of Things is. Anything with an IP address that could be routed on the Internet is now Internet of Things. And uh, I think it's a really interesting landscape. And, you know, if you look at Kickstarter or the website postscapes.com that tracks the Internet of Things in general, I, I think people might not, might not understand just how many things and products people are releasing right now that are Internet connected, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth connected. It's very interesting. Mark Stanislaw, thank you once again for coming and talking to us uh, on the Security Ledger podcast. And uh, we look forward to doing this again sometime soon. Thanks so much, Paul. It's great to be back on. Okay, stay warm out there in Michigan and uh, take care. You too. All right, absolutely. Mark Stanislav is the security evangelist at Duo Security. Mm-hmm.